The following episode contains major plot points of movies. A spoiler warning is advised. This episode also contains topics that may be disturbing for some viewers, so viewer discretion is also advised. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. How's it going today? It is another cold day in Rochester. So today we have our special guest... Josh Sterling Bragg from Haunting Season. If you don't know who he is, he is all over social media. You can find him on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram as the guy who does these sometimes 30-second to a minute-long quick horror reviews of all the movies and stuff, even from old movies to new movies. He does it so quickly, too. Yeah, and he really condenses it. He makes it really fun for a lot of people to watch, like myself included. I found him through TikTok, and then I followed him on Instagram, and we actually became mutuals through both. So I'm very happy that I got to, you know, meet him and talk to him through messages. Josh is a big name in the horror talk community on TikTok, and he's even, aside from his social media presence, he has his own podcast called Haunting Season, And he also started doing a series on this podcast called Horror Talk, which he talks to a lot of people from the Horror Talk community on social media, which is really cool. And I really like that he, including more people into this little world. I mean, because it's not just the people who make movies that make up the community. It's the people who also admire and watch horror movies that also build the franchise or Mm -hmm. build the industry. They build what is is today. Yeah, they build the horror community as it is today. Yep. That's what I meant and, to say. And that's why we're all here. So if it wasn't for that, we all wouldn't be here. Yeah, and I want to thank Steve and Sean again from last week. Oh my god, they were so cool. I love they them. They were fun to have, and again... Like, like I want to party with those two. I feels do like. too. I yeah. mean, they're really fun, and they're so nice, and... It's just a blast to have them on. and well, Big shout out to them for sure. And if we're ever in their neck of the woods, I would love to hang with them. So that would be sweet. I don't know when we would ever be in New York City. I mean, not for I nothing. Mean, it's so expensive to travel right now. Eh, yeah, true. But I'm Shh. saying one day if we get that chance, we will do that. Stop. And if we do visit, that would be sweet to see them. Sorry, I'm scolding our dogs. What? They're... Trying to steal the toy from each other. Anyway. anyway. So, anyway, I think we should probably get into our little interview with our friend. Yeah, but can I tell one quick story? Will this one quick story be a 20-minute story? No. Okay, you got two minutes to go. Okay, so over the weekend, I should say, when we had Steve and Sean on our video call before we hit the record button... Colin, are you doing what I think you're doing? Yes, I am. God I'm putting damn, you on don't blast. Don't do it. Oh I am my God. putting you on blast right now. You put me on blast every day. What's the difference? You embarrassed the shit out of me yes I'll, the other day. I'll I do it again so... if you put me on blast. Because <laughs> not only were you like dropping some mad shade on me for being like the biggest fucking nerd in the world, no. you had the audacity <laughs> to confuse them from another podcast. That's all. also on the Morbid Network, a podcast I've been talking about on the regular. To be fair, they're on another podcast, and they're also one of your favorites, too. So you can't hate on me for that. He confused Stephen Sean from Tyler and Johnny from That Spooky. And the way he brought it up was just the most embarrassing fucking thing. Because, first of all, you weren't even being cohesive with what you were trying to describe. Because you were like... 
I'm such a fan of your guys' stuff. I actually listened to your episode the other day where you talked about the basement story, and I'm like, what basement story? The one in and the funeral you're, you're like, the one in the funeral home. And I'm like, first of all, I'm like, that is the haunting in Connecticut story. <laughs> and that's not even from their podcast. That's oh from that God. spooky. That is very I funny. I have never been hey, more embarrassed. honey, calm down. They totally understand. I, I mean, apologize. They were good sports about it. I yeah. will give them that. They were it's very not like good sports be insulted come no, on no and they love johnny and tyler too they've also had them on their podcast so maybe you should be they, less worried about being embarrassed johnny and tyler are another podcast duo i want to get on the show at some point but anyway despite all that mm. i wanted to crawl under the desk and die like, <laughs> i am just so Aww. embarrassed i love you honey no, you don't. You <laughs> you you embarrass the crap out of me. I mean, not only with that, but with other things. But yeah. Wow, there's a lot a lot of shits coming out now. Okay, cool. No, but you yes. were like, I don't know if it was on the recording, but at one point you told Sean that apparently every time I comment on his stuff and you, he responds, I get excited. Like now he's gonna think I'm a total fucking nut because of you. No, I did. She, you're just a fan of his work. God, who cares? But I am just a simple person well, from Rochester, New York. Well, I mean, you're not wrong from that, you know, being simple. <laughs> I, but yeah, I almost called myself a silly, simple woman from Rochester. Well, you are a silly, simple running, woman from Rochester. Running a podcast like 95% by myself. Fuck off. Seriously. But here's the <laughs> thing, though. At least you're not Annie Wilkes. All right. I know I'm not Annie Wilkes. Compare, I, don't compare yourself to that, all right? And okay. I know, and I don't compare you to that. So, right. calm down, Annie. You almost made me sound like Annie, though. Your your words did not help I'm, me there. I'm the world's biggest fan. <laughs> Even though you say like, well, you're at least you're not Annie Wilkes. The words you chose yesterday made me sound like fucking Annie Wilkes. Well, I was so embarrassed. Well, honey, chill the fuck out. So it's no, just, yeah, no, just. <laughs> There's Thanks. no chill with you in my life, okay? Just... <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, but I am looking forward to this week's episode as well. I mean, every time we get a guest, it's always exciting. Well, who's who's one person you would like to have on the podcast soon? I don't know. That's a good question, actually. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of great people I would I would love to have on there. Whether it's a celebrity or like you know TikToker or YouTube personality, anyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, even one of my friends I would love to have on here. Yeah, actually, friend wise, if I could have on here, would totally be Dan Bonacera from my old band, The Crazies. That would be a lot of fun to have him on here because he is the sweetest guy ever. And he's a great interactor, and he loves horror. Yeah. So I think it would be perfect to have him on here. Right. So, yeah. But with that in mind, I think we should go into our next, uh, for our guests. Yep. So this is going to be our interview with Josh Sterling Bragg of Haunting Season. And it's not so much an interview, but it's another group review. We are going to be reviewing... The movie Smile. With that in mind, let's go to the episode. So before we go into our interview, I do want to issue a listener slash viewer warning. This film that we'll be discussing does contain plot points regarding self-harm, suicide, mental health issues, and trauma of familial childhood and generational traumas. These may be upsetting for some of our listeners, so I provide to go forward with caution. If it's something that's triggering, I wouldn't recommend the movie or this episode, but this will also contain spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie yet and you want to go see this movie, pause now 
go listen or watch the Smile movie and come back and listen to the rest of this interview. Our guest today for the Abbey Normal podcast comes from Haunted Season, and we bring on to the show Josh Bragg. How's hey, it? how's it going? Good. How are you feeling? I'm I'm good. I, I have been uh, globe trotting, and I'm leaving on Wednesday for Malaysia. So I'm like a little. Oh, my brain Malaysia. is like I, I can't. I don't know what time zone I'm in. <laughs> I know there was like with us setting this up. I know there was an issue with like the time zone settings. Oh yeah. So I apologize for the confusion, but Google calendar is like all kinds of messed up and i'm not thinking about it right now but what time is it over in california right now uh i will check my watch it's three o'clock in the afternoon oh, i remember oh. when it was three that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we have like it's still kind of a winter storm so like the mountains are all covered with snow oh, at the okay. moment which is really abnormal for um for this for for, for this area for california yeah. um, it kind of yeah. looks like denver right now which is wild really that's cool oh my god yeah. that is crazy i always wanted to go to denver too so that's pretty cool but uh but no over here it just started snowing about like an hour ago it was calm and getting warmed up and everything and now it's just turning into a winter hell again oh my gosh i'm so jealous oh. <laughs> you want to move here i'll trade with you i mean literally yeah. i'll move well, how there do you feel about 120 degree uh summers i'll just Ooh, i'll that's... just stay in the water i mean that's how i do it just stay in the water the whole time <laughs> I can never get comfortable in either temperature. In the winters, I get too cold. In the summers, I get too hot. Yeah. I was about to say, I could just hide in the caves, just like in Lost Boys, just do it that way and live in Santa Carla. Yeah. I I just live my life wanting central air. That's all I want. Yeah. Central air conditioning. (laughs) Actually, that does sound pretty good right now, central air. But it's so funny, yeah, because I'm actually going to Florida next week for my brother's wedding. So, yeah, so I know, I think the time zones over there are still pretty much the same over here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If if you're moving. I know, if it's like over here East Coast, yeah. I don't mean to derail, but. But but it's okay, it happens. But no, but we were going to ask too, uh, what got you uh, started to do Haunted Season? Like, what was the the birth child behind that, the origin? Yeah, I I started Haunting Season back in 2013 on YouTube. It was uh, like kind of creepypasta was taking off on the internet around that time. Mm -hmm. And YouTube was like really finding its feet and everybody wanted to be a YouTuber. And I was like, oh, let me give it a shot. I had um, three like real life haunting stories that I had experienced in high school, or Mm -hmm. at least I, you know, like to believe that they were real. And um, and so I told those and then quickly ran out of stories to tell. So I started writing them from scratch. And so for two years I was doing, <laughs> I was like Monday, Tuesday was writing a story and Wednesday was filming it, Thursday editing and Friday polishing and putting up online and then starting over. So I did that for two years and got super burnt out and my oh, whole bet. life changed and I moved across the country <clears throat> and uh, for seven years just did nothing <clears throat> with the property. And uh, but always kept thinking about it, and then I tried to bring it back as a podcast. That kind of wasn't doing it for me. It was still like a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And then TikTok started to take off, and that's where I've really found my audience and uh, have met a lot of my like current uh, internet friends, yeah. uh, like you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we actually enjoy what you do and everything. So yes. So it was really cool. Yeah. Like like I was thinking you could do it for thirty seconds. Well that was my big that was my big hurdle too, because I was used to telling like like ten to fifteen minute stories and I was like, how what what am I gonna say in one minute? But I figured it out. It's mostly movie reviews at this point, but um Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping to build it and continuously build it into something uh larger. I'd I'd love to one day be shooting movies. 
you know. Yeah, and I know that from the podcast, you've also added the new installment, like the Horror Talk Conversations, where you've brought Horror Talk creators onto your show and interviewed them. Like, I know Lee Howard was one that you interviewed, and Lucy Ball was another one, and those were really great interviews. And oh, I'm glad you enjoyed those. Yeah, because I, I remember like when I first got onto TikTok, Lee Howard was one of the first few creators I started following, yeah. and I got into Lucy like shortly after I heard your episode with him. But yeah, it's a really cool community on TikTok. I mean, there's so many people, and yeah, it's just really it's really awesome what you do. Thanks, and I, I think the people who are like really crushing it are the ones who are really accessible. Like Lee Howard is a great example. I looked at his numbers; he is like 1.5 million last time I checked, which is wow. a while ago. Oh yeah, but um, you know, he's got like over a million followers, and I just sent him a message and was like, you know, it'd be cool if we did something together. And he was like, absolutely, what do you want to do? And I I couldn't believe it because, like, those numbers hold so much weight, you know? And you're like, oh, they're some celebrity. But he's just, like, a dude in an attic in Canada somewhere, like, making some creepy bear stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And his his drawings are really cool. Like, I remember when I saw the paintings he showed on TikTok, I was, like, so impressed. I mean, I do art, too, but not, like, his level of talent. But it's, like, really cool to follow, like, other creatives, Mm -hmm. especially in, like, a community like horror, you know? It's really cool. Yeah, I feel like I've really found, I've really found, like, a community there, which is something that I hadn't really felt on YouTube or Instagram or any of those other platforms. Right. And since you do a whole lot of movie reviews, we also wanted to ask, like, what what is your favorite subgenre of horror? Because there's so many out there. I mean, it's not, it's never just horror. There's all sorts of different categories. Yeah, like what got you into it? Yeah, I, I think it's sci-fi horror. Like, I, mm. I really love Lovecraftian things and yeah. and um, Good choice. cosmic horror. Uh, but science fiction was the first genre that I really fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And then I think that snowballed into horror because I was like, oh, you can go harder than this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a great um, thing about it is, like, horror could take any genre and put it in its own thing and just kind of, like shoot out this huge giant bat shit like right like this whole crazy thing like you could take it into anything and just make it into something beautiful and that's what horror does with any genre honestly yeah yeah and i like that that's your favorite because it's the one subgenre that truly scares the crap out of me <laughs> most of the time like my first sci-fi film that scared me when i was a kid was jurassic park and i know oh. it's technically not a horror film but the original source material is a horrific novel i thought it was et it's colin don't do this <laughs> <thing today. laughs> well, et i just made a video this morning about how land before time and et were my introductions to horror terrifying moments in them i i kind of mm. have talked about it a bit on our show but I have this weird, irrational fear of E.T. that I just can never pinpoint where it originated. But when I was a kid, I just couldn't watch it. And I would just be so freaked out by the look of the E.T. character that I just couldn't watch the movie. But as an adult, I just... Now if I look at an image, it just gives me shivers. Like, I just can't stare at it for more than, like, a millisecond. I know, and I I just... It's that, like, Uncanny Valley thing where, like, something looks a little bit too human but not human enough. And it, like... They call that the Uncanny Valley where your mind just gets a little bit confused and then it becomes scary. Probably, because I didn't have... I think I didn't develop this fear until I was about three or four years old. Because I was born in, like, 93, so at, like, three or four was when I started getting into, like, movies and being able to sit and watch them but not really, like, processing the plot. 
So hmm. yeah, that's probably the imagery, but my, my my parents still aren't too sure. Like one day you were fine, the next day we go to grandma's and she pulls out the ET tape and he's they're like, you lost your shit. Like we had no idea what the issue was. And I'm like, oh my God. But Jurassic Park is one. And then when we saw Nope last year, it was a, it's one of my favorites, but it's, a, it's almost a sci-fi horror that really had me anxious watching it the whole time. It's yeah. it's kind of funny that you said um, that E.T. and Land Before Time was like your introduction to horror because this one movie wasn't really my introduction to horror, but just the imagery in it was just horrifying enough for it could be. But it was the Brave Little Toaster with Ooh, uh, yeah. with the clown, yeah. like the, the fireman clown. And the voice of him was Jim Cummings, who plays oh. Pooh Bear. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's interesting. So that gives more kids more nightmares and night terrors because of that. Because Jim Cummings could be scary if he wanted to. There was an episode of The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh yes. where they get taken underneath the bed and like stolen and they're in this world where like crayons, like lost crayons are like these military things and they're like keeping them in cages and like harassing them. I think I remember that actually. Robin has to like come in and save them. That was the scariest moment in television. Yeah, it was (laughs) completely because I do remember that because I had all the VHSs of The Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. So that's nuts that you remember that, too. That's crazy. Yeah, it left a big impact. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. It really did. And I think for me, I actually... Do you remember the movie The Halloween Tree? No, I don't think I ever saw it. That was by Ray Bradbury. That was a book. And oh. it was a cartoon that actually was like made in 93. And it won an Emmy for like best cartoon. Like, or like cartoon. animated short, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah. And the guy who played Leonard Nimoy, he plays the uh, the lead evil character in there. That kind of oh, trap. Whoa. whoa, I gotta find that. Yeah, you'll that love it. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it's called the Halloween Tree. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of work. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. <laughs> no hey, we appreciate you being here. We're we, really excited. We really are happy that you're on the show, and thank you for being here because this is really super cool. And you know, and you seem like the most chillest guy that I've seen, especially on TikTok. Like you just seem like you have this such cool like happy demeanor and you're like you have the best like smiling face when you're talking to the camera (laughs) i'm a pretty happy guy i mean like everybody i have my good and bad mental health days but i i don't know i was just like born into this world with like a dude attitude no (laughs) and uh have managed to hold on to that and yeah and it's funny my mom said as i was a baby i never really cried because she said i was like a buddha baby like i was just fat (laughs) blonde hair and just ate all the time i was just a big blob yeah, but with that in mind, let's uh, let's get into Smile. So Smile was released on September 30th of 2022, which is actually my sister's birthday. Whoa. Yeah. It has a runtime of an hour and 55 minutes and was directed by Parker Finn. And it stars, is her name like Sosie Bacon? Is that how you pronounce it? Sosie Bacon. Bacon. Yep. Sosie Bacon. Or delicious. <laughs> I want some Sosie Bacon. Yeah, I didn't realize she was Kevin Bacon's daughter until I looked up the movie. Oh. And I was like, you know what? That checks. <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't name her Sizzle Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually interesting, too, because he actually came to Rochester last year for our, our jazz festival, and he visited the House Guitars, which is kind of like a, a local hot spot for musicians. Cool. Sounds it, like a good time. It's like, a, it's like if you put like music museum in a basement. That's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> So Sosie or Susie Bacon stars as Dr. Rose Cotter, Caitlin Stacy as Laura Weaver, 
Kyle Gallner as Joel, Jesse T. Usher as Trevor, and Rob Morgan as Robert Talley. How did we all feel, I guess, collectively when we first saw the Smile trailers? I hate it. Like, what was our first impression before going in and seeing the movie? I was so excited because I knew... I, well, I had the expectation of it being like a trashy jump scare film. Right. And That's what I felt, too. I think, I think if you know that going in, then it's like, okay, great. But then when the second trailer dropped, the one that ended with, like, the woman's head coming down yeah. in the car, I was like, oh, they're giving away too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's the problem they do nowadays. You know, they give away too much in trailers, That's and you know the whole movie then. Yeah. You know? yeah. And if you go to the movies a lot like me, you see the trailers over and over and over again, even if you're not seeking them out. Right. So I was a little, I was a little worried that I would, like... It would be too predictable because I'd seen everything in the trailer and that. Um, but I was I was going for the jump scares and for it to just be a trashy, terrible movie. I didn't. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't expect for it to be as good as it was when I watched it, and scary as it was, also because I really just think it was going to be like he said, another one of those jump scare movies. But with how how the way those people actually smile. Like, I actually couldn't believe that was actually them smiling the way they do. And that's incredibly creepy. And that what got me interested in the film. Oh, yeah. And it's it's all practical. Yeah. And, and one other thing, too, because I can see her right now. Oh. My friend was the one who was all over those news uh, articles who was smiling at the baseball game. That's her? She's, she's working in my office right now. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so, so cool. We, and we had no idea. So I just woke up one morning. And Jessica was like every news article in my news feed. And I was like, that's a, that's her, right? That's her. And my wife Holy was like, yeah, shit. Rich. what is she doing on the, why is she, wait, what? <laughs> and then I was really excited. That is so cool. I was, I was going to ask, I don't, I don't want to be this guy, but I got to ask, like, would you ever have her be right behind you like this, like smiling into the well, camera? That'd be hilarious. I had her do that for my smile review. Sir, yeah, this like, is oh why God. you need to prep. I'm sorry. I don't watch all the videos. Sorry. Nobody could. I put out one a day. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's no, so no, I don't expect you to know everything I post online. My yeah. wife doesn't even get to pay attention to everything I do. Aw. Aw. It's okay. She doesn't pay attention to everything I do either, so it's okay. It's got to be like a married thing then. Yeah, it's a marriage thing. It's a married thing. Yeah. yeah. So the film was originally titled Something's Wrong with Rose before being renamed Smile. And while talking about the creative process, Parker Finn says he wanted to, quote, create a film that feels like an escalating nightmare. And that happens because the evil on the film uses a smile as a mask to hide its true intentions. And Parker Finn wanted to use practical effects as much as possible and, again, quote, only use visual effects and CG to enhance or sweeten or bridge the gap when something isn't possibly practical. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, I love that. I I think there's kind of a new era of CGI happening right now that marries uh, practical effects with CGI in a really good way. Because for a while it was just... All CGI. uh, We're doing one or the other. Right. And Mm -hmm. now now we're getting a mixture of both. Um, Studio 666 did a really great job last year. Yeah. There's a movie, uh, Margo, that came out last year that did a really good job with that. Um, And I actually talked to the director of that one and he said... They, they had planned on these like big arms, like mechanical robot arms to be fit practical, but they couldn't figure it out. And we're like, damn it, now it's got to be CGI. But they did it really well by just like, you know, making it just that. And then everything else was practical. That's right. awesome. 
That is really cool. I love that they're kind of bringing back somewhat old school, but yet, you know, just for time's sake and everything, CGI helps on certain things, especially if you're on a time crunch for filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there there was a movie that came out during the pandemic called, like, Let's Play or something like that. Mm. It kind of looked very similar to Lights Out. I think it was called, like, Let's Play or something like that, but it has a creature that the Jim Henson Company built, Mm. and I didn't know that, and I didn't see the film because I thought, uh, I don't know how this is going to be, so I'll just, like, it's not top of my list or anything, but I saw a TikTok behind the scenes of them, like, operating the creature, and it scared the hell out of me, so now I'm going to go watch it. Was it called Larry? The creature? Uh, I don't know. Because I think my brother-in-law sent me that TikTok yesterday. <laughs> and I had no idea what it was. And then I saw, like, the final the final product of that scene. And I was like, oh, that's scary. But, yeah, I'll have to check it out. And if it's the same movie, then we definitely need to check that out. It's weird because there's a horror comedy kind of the same way. There was, like, this little, like... Um, that's what it was. Sorry. What's it called? It come Play. Come, come Play. Come Play. Okay. Yeah, because it's weird, because there was a movie that was kind of, like, weird like that with, like, a little puppet creature that was kind of like a little baby humanoid that this guy was kind of, like, taking care of, like a parasite. It kind of sounds like Basket Case. Yeah, without being cute. That's the point. (laughs) Minus the cuteness. Minus the cuteness, because that Basket Case thing was a Basket Case. It was damn ugly. Ugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it was. This, it looked deformed. It kind of looked like the uh, the the kid from Friday the Thirteenth, like the the deformed face, kind of like in that movie where he pulls the yeah, girl yeah. into the water. He kind of looked that like that face, except it's not yeah. really a body. <laughs> so, since we're talking about the practical effects, I have another one that kind of follows up with it. But Parker Finn told the actors who would be smiling in the film that he wanted quote. Dead eyes that do not match an incredibly uncomfortable, wide tooth bearing smile, and that was meant to feel predatory in nature. Because mm-hmm. I asked my sister the other day, I was like, Have you seen Smile yet? And she's like, Oh, no, I don't know if I'll watch it anytime soon. She <laughs> said, Something about Cheshire Grin smiles freak her out. Well, here's the thing I don't mind smiling. I like smiling, but it's mm-hmm. just like if there's a certain people that weren't meant to smile, then don't do it. I mean, like my friend, <laughs> like my friend who's in my band, uh, Ryan. He he's the type of guy. He's a quiet, oh very reserved type of man, and he's very much like for years. He just always seems like the guy who doesn't smile. And then one time I saw him smile, especially with his teeth. I was like, <laughs> Sure, sure, yeah. Johnny Depp smile is kind of creepy. It does probably make sense. why he did a pretty good job of playing the Mad Hatter in those Alice in Wonderland. He's yeah, and actions. also Willy Wonka too. Oh yeah, that's he right. was Willy. Yeah, he was just like that's boogie. <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> Paramount originally planned for the film, which had a low budget of seventeen million dollars, to be a streaming only release on Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. The film was screened for test audiences and scored much higher than anticipated, prompting Paramount to give the film a theatrical release in the U.S. And it grossed $22 million over its opening weekend. Which, that's pretty good. Yeah, Chris, uh, Paramount's distribution chief, Chris Aronson, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I apologize if I am, he said it exceeded our wildest expectations. Yeah, I, I was about to say, because I know the director, if he was like watching the movie and people loving it so much, he's probably just like, looks like I'm going to get that pool in the backyard this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see that, because definitely $22 million, especially in a weekend like that, that's fucking huge. That's like, especially with Marvel movies, because they made so much money throughout the whole weekend, 
that they can have like 10 swimming pools in a backyard. Sure. Yeah. I, I, man, that's just so cool. And that makes me love the movie even more mm-hmm. because it's like the little engine that could, you know, it's just like, yeah. it was what I saw it was a short form, a short film first, and then they made it into a feature and they're probably just like, please somebody pick it up or like get a little, you get somebody to watch it, that sort of thing. You know, that the, the vibes that you get with indie films is like, I just hope somebody watches it someday. I've made one. I know that feeling. And then to have it just explode. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Right. And I think that marketing campaign was a huge part of it. Mm. Oh, yeah. So smart. yeah. And it's kind of similar with Megan and how they marketed it in a way. Yeah. When they first showed the teaser trailers, they saw that like younger audiences were picking up on how exciting it looked. So it's kind of why they drop the rating from rated R to PG-13, but even still, that first weekend of this year, it exceeded that same expectation. But was So smart, and then now they're going to stream the um, the unrated version um, yeah. next month. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it, so it's, it's already funny. out. Yeah, oh, it's I'm already out now. <laughs> We're going to watch it. <laughs> I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Well, I'm catching up on The Last of Us. That's what I'm doing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still haven't seen that show yet. My sister's like, you got to watch it. And I'm like... It's very good. It's very, very good. And I don't even know how, like... I don't know how I ended up on Pedro Pascal talk, but... I, I think we all have. Yeah, in yeah. a way. And it's like, I've never, I've seen maybe one episode of The Mandalorian, and I haven't seen a single episode of... Last of Us, and yet I'm getting bombarded with Pedro Pascal videos on my so 40 funny. Days. Yeah, and I want to watch. Fall in love with Pedro Pascal. You got to watch the unbearable weight of massive talent because that yeah. he is the, the most adorable human being in that film. It's, it's unbelievable. He is. Is, is. Which one's the one with him with Nicolas Cage? It's that. Is that one? Yeah. Okay, so that's the one yeah. I want to watch because he did it's, seem very charming. I've seen this. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've seen the skits that he does on snl those are hilarious the mario oh one i could not get enough of that was so good the <laughs> mario trailer and they actually did a behind the scenes thing of that too like they showed that okay and, which i thought that was pretty sweet i don't mean to, to go off topic we we both suffer from adhd so we kind of ramble from one tangent to another and so I we apologize. call we call that in our segments here the adhd wormhole that's what we have on this show <laughs> So, yeah, so, so sorry, yes, no, but continue. So one of the interesting things I thought was really cool about this movie is that the title card doesn't appear until 13 minutes into the film. The and title Park- card. Parker Finn knew from the start that he wanted the film's title card to be a very anxiety-inducing moment, and an earlier version failed the Harding test, which examines how triggering an image is to photosensitive viewers, hmm. which is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I, that I, I paused because I was thinking about um, the the shirt that Jessica wore at that event because I got one from the filmmakers, and it's neon yellow, like neon, yeah. like yeah. a brace of yellow, and then just in black smile, and it does it does give me anxiety to look at it. Yeah, now that okay. I'm thinking about it, it, it's genius. It could be also too like yellow and black are also similar to like caution tapes yeah also yeah. to bees too. and and like like and road hazard signs also yeah that could be another thing too like yeah. man i'm thinking back to like when i was in community college and we had this advertising marketing course and we did an entire quarter of learning about 
signs and symbols and what certain things mean. So now every time I think of like color combinations, I'm like, what do we associate these with? And it starts to make sense. Like when, when, when filmmakers use certain colors to indicate certain moods and stuff, I always love stuff like that. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going into the plot at a psychiatric ward, therapist, Dr. Rose Cotter meets Laura Weaver, a graduate student who witnessed her art history professor die by suicide several days earlier. Laura claims that an entity taking the form of smiling people has been terrorizing her and has told her that she is going to die. Soon thereafter, Laura stumbles onto the floor and begins screaming. After Rose calls for help, she sees Laura standing up and smiling. With a shard of broken vase, Laura kills herself by slitting her throat. And I forgot to put in the trigger warning, and I apologize, but going forward, this movie is full of mental health generational trauma and suicide scenes so just yeah lots and lots of self-harm mm-hmm. lots of it so just know that going into this movie beware i guess it's like the the best term i can i can use put that out there but yes i know some of them yeah probably haven't seen it but also you know that's kind of good to do that also yeah rose later sees her manic patient carl smiling and shouting that she is going to die rose calls for the nurses to restrain him only to see that he was asleep the whole time and concerned for Rose's mental well-being, her supervisor, Dr. Morgan Desai, gives her a week off. Which, I was kind of interested to see, oh wow, what's his name? The guy who plays her boss. Oh. I'm no. trying to remember. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> but he's the guy oh, from... I'm ter- I don't even try. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I, just, I just know that he's the guy from Harold and Kumar movies. Oh, Cal Penn. Yes, yeah, thank you. Cal, Cal Penn. Penn. Yeah, he's Penn. so funny though. And I can't believe he's in this too. It surprised me. Yeah, and I mean, it, I don't think it's the first time we've seen him in a either semi-serious or horror film. I I know he was in the most recent American Horror Story season, New mm-hmm. York City, which is really interesting. So in addition to being uh, difficult to design and execute, the overhead one-shot of the ambulance arriving and then panning up to enter the hospital room was meant to suggest something omniscient omin- coming for Rose. Mm-hmm. I always love... Yeah, but- Sorry. <laughs> No, 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 go ahead. No, I always love, like, when filmmakers and cinematographers make these certain decisions to, like, either pan or shoot things from a different perspective that can either be suggestive or just there's something in this shot that's important for you to watch and pay attention to. Mm -hmm. I always like it when they do stuff like that. Yeah, and when there's, like, subtle subcontext kind of, like hidden in there like mike flanagan with um uh haunting of hill house just he had crew members literally standing in dark corners yeah so you get the feeling of being watched and like there's something more going on than 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 the eye and what was the other one i just thought of oh malignant where there's like that all of a sudden a top down of her like running through the entire house and you get this kind of like mouse trapped in a maze feeling from it yeah that's really cool i was gonna say hereditary for example also like towards the end of the movie when the mother just comes out of the shadows and there's these other people in the shadows also and she's like almost like swimming in the air right yeah and another thing about hereditary i mean i don't mean to derail but just another like example annie tony collette's character she's a miniature uh set artist and the way they use the wide shots to capture the entire room and setting in the frame is sort of similar to her work it's 
supposed to show the entire scene of an event that's happening, which I thought was really cool too. Like she's in the dollhouse herself. Right. Yeah. The scene where Rose first meets Laura is designed as a parallel to the writer and director Parker Finn's short film, uh, Laura Hasn't Slept, which you mentioned earlier, was actually the springboard for this feature and the scene goes in a very different direction from the short which is included on the blu-ray disc special features which we don't have blu-ray but that's really cool to know yeah in the following days the hallucinations continue making rose seem unhinged and dangerous to people around her she visits her former therapist dr madeline northcott who suggests that her problems stem from her abusive and mentally ill mother whose death from an overdose she witnessed as a child at her nephew's birthday party rose's gift has been replaced by her dead cat horrifying the children and she sees a party guest smiling at her and falls onto a glass table ending the party in chaos <laughs> This was one of the best scenes for me oh, yeah. of the yeah. entire film. Exactly. Because yeah. it it has that magic that mm. is my one of my favorite things in a horror movie where you have connected A and C together and you know what B is and mm. B is the cat in the box mm. and you're just going, no, no, I can't, no. Right. It wouldn't be the cat. Why would it be the cat? It can't be the cat. Oh, fuck, it's the cat. Oh, no, it's the cat. You know, <laughs> I, I, just, I love how that unfolds in that scene mm-hmm. um and then it just escalating to the point of ridiculousness of her like crashing through the the glass table uh just perfect exclamation point at the end of that yeah and she's crying right. like miraculously i know well, and, I... and also the other thing you mentioned was the um the mother's death and that's actually the very first thing we see in the movie although oh, we don't yeah. know what we're looking at is the mom with her like bile kind of running down the side of the bed mm-hmm. and uh, the main character as a as a child just kind of like looking in horror at her mom yeah yeah and it's really interesting too because like that first scene it it doesn't jump cut but it pans from the mother from side to side over to like the young rose standing in the doorway and another thing i found in here and i don't know where it is in my notes but sometimes when they show those scenes where the camera's shoot, shooting something right side up and then it pans downward and then suddenly the scene is like upside down. It's supposed mm. to be like a metaphor for like that turn that frown upside down kind of phrase, which I thought was really clever. And I'm like, again, the cinematography in this was so amazing. Yeah, it reminded me of the new Candyman also that came out. Yes, it did, when it does that upside down like uh, cinematography thing, yeah. Yeah, to kind of like, oh, what's it called? Emphasize the importance of reflections in Candyman. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool. So upon learning that Laura's professor was grinning at her before his death, Rose visits his widow, Victoria, and learns that he had witnessed a suicide shortly before his own. Uh, Rose asks her ex-boyfriend, Joel, a police detective, to go through police records. They find several cases where someone witnessed a suicide, <laughs> then a few days later die by suicide in front of someone else, who continues the pattern. And another information piece I have is Parker Finn reveals that the gas station scene shown on security footage was intended to play way bigger than expected, so there was, or so that it would be like a real impact. Mm-hmm. He said, quote, of course, someone dying violently is never a thing to laugh at, but because there's something so evil going on, we wanted to lean into the gleefully absurdity of it all. And I'm like, how is that scene supposed to be way bigger than what it already was? It was already like, oh my God, it was so <laughs> shocking. 
This is the moment in the film where I started to realize that it was it was similar to It Follows and The Ring in that there's like this kind of infectious thing going around and, and like you're starting to figure out how it's passed and piece together why I think. And I think that's where I really fell in love with the film was right kind of here in, in the middle to beginning of the end was... I just love, I love the idea of like solving a mystery together and like the audience is in on trying to solve it. And so you're actively like your brain is trying to piece together little bits and pieces, but the character might know something you don't, or you might know something the character doesn't and you want to help them. I, I just love that kind of movie so much. Right. And it's interesting too, because Kyle Gallner, the guy who plays Joel, it seems like he always plays this sort of ride-or-die character alongside the main protagonist. Or in, I mean, I've seen it before in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. He's the person who tries to help Nancy figure out what's going on with all their friends and also is trying to solve the mystery as to who Freddy Krueger is. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting. He kind of plays this similar, similar role in this aspect, too, where he's like Rose's ex-boyfriend, but still can be like that person that she can go to when everybody around her is starting to doubt her sanity. Yeah, and the guy who plays the cop, too, like, I know he's been in other stuff, but, like, he still looks the same, even not looking like a teenager in, like, Jennifer Body or, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, he still looks the same, even with facial hair. It's nuts. Yeah, that guy Joel was in a movie I just watched called The Cleansing Hour. That's, uh, he plays a guy who's running this like live stream of exorcisms, but it's all kind of fake, but it's, Mm. the movie takes place on the night where it's like not fake. Yeah. Uh, And it's so good. It's like one of the best exorcism movies I've ever seen, but I couldn't place why I knew him. And now I know because he basically is like kind of the same guy in smile. It's kind of like tech savvy sort of, you know, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he picked the wrong night to do an exorcism. That's for sure. Yeah, I highly recommend that movie. It's so good. All right, definitely. We'll check that out. That'd be cool. As Rose's hallucinations intensify, Joel discovers that all the witnesses die within a week of seeing the previous suicides. The exception was Robert Talley, who instead murdered someone. Rose and Joel visit him in jail where he claims that he... The entity feeds on trauma, and the only way to escape it is to kill someone in front of a witness to traumatize them, which passes the entity on to the next person. Rose angrily rejects the option and leaves. She is confronted at home by the entity in Madeline's form, which is the most creepiest smile in the whole movie. It's... Mm-hmm. Oh, the the lady were like talk on the phone that one. She shows up at her house and oh, yeah. she's talking with her, and then the real therapist calls her at home that was my favorite part of the movie that freaked me the fuck out seriously and then just her just suddenly just start smiling i'm like no this reminds me of dreams i've had mm-hmm. you know i've had shit like this happen way before this movie ever came out and it just bugs the shit out of me that this is real it is very strange so she gleefully warns rose that her time is running out and rose impulsively drives to her hospital with a knife planning to murder carl in front of somebody to pass the entity on to them but she decides she can't go through with it and morgan notices her with the knife but she speeds away prompting him to alert the police and it's that is another sequence scene that's just so bizarre and random because it's essentially a dream sequence but it's just so brazen and sudden that i'm like oh my gosh, she's not really killing this patient in front of her boss, is she? And then when she wakes up, I'm like, oh, thank God. 
I'm like, oh my. Yeah, that did seem real. Like, I didn't know if that was actually happening or not. Like, that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a moment where you're like, oh no, what did I sign up for? Yeah. Right? Well, how's this movie going to end? <laughs> I thought this movie was going to suck. <laughs> Another interesting thing I found, too, was when these uh, smiling people when that, that Rose sees, they all wear bright pastel colors, while Rose mostly wears dark contrasting colors, showing the difference between happy and sad moods, which I'm like, that's very oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, she is always in some sort of like neutral earth tone. Yeah. So Rose drives to her abandoned family house, realizing that she cannot pass on the entity if she remains alone. Rose confronts the entity in the form of her mother, and it's revealed that as a child, Rose found her mother as she was dying from a drug overdose, but decided not to get help. The entity attacks Rose, who has a hallucination. But I know, like, that scene where she kind of confronts her mother in that moment, and then once she starts to kind of poke holes in this, like, hallucination, starts to call out, like, you're not real, is when it's almost kind of like we get a similar scene from the It Chapter 2 movie, where the old lady turns into that giant, grotesque monster. Oh, yeah. I didn't like that either. Yeah. So... The mother growing in size is meant to drive home Rose's feeling that she's back to being a child again in the presence of her mother, and the illusion was created in part with a rebuilt hallway at a smaller scale and part with the monstrous doubled played by Kevin Keffey, uh, which I thought was cool. That I think what scared me more was the smile version of the giant humanoid lady than really the it. Honestly, because it had this face, it was like more dark and more. Oh my god, what is it? Demonic looking with its smile. I would Mm -hmm. say, I would say more devious because it's. it's, Yeah, it was very devious. It looked like it was up to something not good. Like really wanted to do something really bad to you. Yeah. Yeah, and and it when when it's in that form with like the the like almost the three dots in the back of its throat with like layers and layers of teeth Mm -hmm. it's almost just a blank void of horribleness whereas this is definitely a more malicious like active creature yeah yeah and even when it took off his like face and you actually see the humanoid it it looked like it's still smiling too the the humanoid Mm -hmm. underneath it that part scared me more than the woman and i was like holy shit yeah and I think that what was also interesting about the design of that, this mother character, is that it's almost a combination of the creature from It Chapter 2 and the mother and barbarian almost with like the long stringy black hair and the saggy skin or like taunt features. Like Yeah, and that actually caused an issue for me because I, I have been traveling as I do. Um, I travel a lot for work and I came back and there were a bunch of movies in the theater that I hadn't seen and Barbarian had been out for weeks and so that same week I saw The Woman King and then I saw, oh gosh, I saw something else and then I saw Smile and then I saw Barbarian the next night and because the, the mother and Barbarian was so similar to the end of Smile and because I saw Smile first, my brain was like, oh, again? And it, it yeah. caused me to like in that moment to like smile more than I liked Barbarian when everybody else was the other way around. They were like, Barbarian's the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I got really confused because I couldn't figure out why. And it took me almost a week to figure out that was why, because the end 
the creatures were like so similar. Colin hasn't seen Barbarian yet. I gotta get him to watch it. But it was yeah. it was a really interesting movie. And yeah, when I saw the the mother and smile looking the way she did, I'm like, oh wow, this looks almost similar to the mother and barbarian and that yeah. that was a really interesting movie now i don't want to watch barbarian because i don't want to see the mother in that one. <laughs> oh well <laughs> there are plenty of other reasons to watch it and it has a lot more comedy in it than Smile really? does. oh yeah yeah so For i sure. recommend it you'll be laughing but you'll also be scared shitless yes. i'll be scared shitless to the point i'm laughing shitless <laughs> Talking about the entity itself, Parker Finn says the face is a true look at the evil thing that's been hiding behind all the smiles. And they actually call the entity Lollipop, thus explaining the use of the Cordette Lollipop song at the end of the credits. That's why. Okay, yep. fuck. And this is what happens at the end of every cycle as the beast physically enters the human to or enters a victim to make them commit suicide and it is the most gnarly looking thing i have ever seen especially how tall that thing is oh yeah 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 it's brutal Mm -hmm. it is brutal and then we're we're left pretty open-ended there at the end right yeah what i love too is like whenever there's like a creature feature movie the cast and crew always give the creature some sort of nickname like with jaws we had bruce with this one, it's Lollipop. And I just saw a TikTok interview with Elizabeth Banks about cocaine bears. I guess they named the bear Corky, which I thought was cute. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. Did you guys see that one yet? No, so we want to, though. We're, we're probably going to go see it this Saturday, but I can't wait to go see it. But you highly it's recommend a- it? Oh, yeah. I laughed my ass off. I, my face hurt after that movie <laughs> from, from smiling so much. Um, and it's super gory, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the best though. It's uh you have the two best combinations of like gory humor. Anyway, gory horror and humor. Like yeah, like really good humor. Yeah, and, and it worked so well. The entire audience, even at like the most gruesome, horrific parts, were just hysterically laughing. And I love that because that is um that's my trauma response normally is like you know, I've, I've been uh, in college. I had a friend who was in a bad motorcycle accident and we all went to the hospital and like sat there overnight to wait and find out like his condition. And my go-to in those scenarios is to make jokes, to crack jokes, to like liven up the mood a little bit. Um, and that doesn't vibe, vibe for everybody, but to be in a theater full of people who are just cracking up at someone like getting their, their leg bit off you know it just right. yeah, makes me so happy yeah <laughs> it reminds me of um when we went to go so here in rochester we have the little theater it's like one of the oldest theaters in rochester probably even the country i don't remember it's it's historic let's it's, just say it's a historic place but every saturday they do something called a saturday night rewind where they pull like an old movie from their vault and they will show it on like a 35 millimeter film and cool. last last year they showed Chopping Mall. That's so fun. It's and such a good movie. What, what was so movie. cool about it too is that they had Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl there for like a meet and greet event. Yeah. And he highlighted like one of the most famous head explosion scenes in cinematic history right next to scanners but yes yeah and then when they when the moment came up on the screen everybody in the audience was cheering and laughing oh yeah it was funny but at the same time almost a bit concerning and i'm like i've never seen like a large group of people cheer over a head explosion and i was clapping too and Aaliyah was just like oh would you stop clapping no i was just like (laughs) this is so weird yeah 
it is weird but there is something in your head that knows like this is for entertainment and that this isn't real and i think there's a line that certain filmmakers cross where it gets it gets into actual trauma like my response to hereditary even though i loved that film and i think it should be taught in like in schools mm-hmm. um and should be given to people who are going through grief and loss mm-hmm. um i also never want to see it again because i felt i felt violated and traumatized by that experience um because it was so real and because the the way that the actors responded to things were so real I think the horror that I really latch onto is stuff that is a little bit ridiculous, stuff that is a little bit so outlandish that your mind can shut off the trauma and just share in like an enjoying experience of like, this is ridiculous, this yeah. is silly. Um, and I think Smile hits that right on the head because like moments like The Cat are, are messed up, but in other films, you you see how the cat dies you watch the cat die and like you are forced to experience the death of that cat whereas this is almost comical in in some sense of the word or there's levity to it because it's a reveal of like oh no it's the cat Mm -hmm. yeah made no connection to the cat earlier so who cares right yeah uh so to kind of wrap up the final part portion of the plot but soon joel pulls up having tracked rose's phone the entity rips off its own skin to reveal its true form, which is a skinless humanoid creature with multiple sets of malformed jaws nested in an enormous smiling mouth. Oh my god. It forces itself inside Rose's body through her mouth, and when Joel breaks down the front door only to see a smiling Rose set herself on fire, passing the entity on to him. When asked if the smile curse is beatable or is the fight to stop it hopeless, writer and director Parker Finn revealed, It's a good question. I like to think that this thing sort of enjoys toying with its victims and being as elusive and slippery as possible. I like to think that there's probably a way to beat it, but I don't know. I mean, it's also quite inescapable. Yeah. Well, and and like, I guess what you learn in therapy when you're going through your own trauma is that you have to embrace what's there and um, and acknowledge it and then move past it. There's no beating it. There's no erasing it. And I think, like it, again, comparing this to movies like The Ring, the logic is, uh, oh, it, there's a ghost killing people who are watching this VHS tape, so we have to stop the ghost. Um, But the reality is she just wants to be heard and she just wants to be acknowledged, right? Right. And so I think if I were to come up with a hypothesis about how this creature would be beaten, it would be someone who, instead of experiencing the trauma of seeing someone kill, get killed in front of them and then seeing smiles everywhere and, and panicking and then killing themselves, they would be like, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about this and I'm gonna see these smiling creatures and it's gonna freak me out, but I have to know that it's gonna pass and that I'm gonna get past it. You know, like maybe there's some like therapy solution to this that yeah. nobody has tried yet. And you right. know, and she could probably fight it another way too. And I was thinking because Rose, she could dance to footloose to the creature and kind of take right. all the happiness and positive energy to ruin and destroy this creature. Sure, and, like a Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy dance off. Yep. And then Kevin Bacon <laughs> just walks into the room. 
Well, then everybody would be smiling. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. And then all of a sudden that happens, and the creature gets her, and then she dies. Yeah. And then there's oh, a reverse man. effect. Mm-hmm. Totally see Kevin Bacon being in the second one. <laughs> yeah, that would actually oh, be absolutely. intriguing. Dude, one of my favorite movies he's ever done was Stir of Echoes. And I feel oh. like that he kind of like goes nuts in that one, is like digging up the whole backyard. And yeah, that, that, my favorite creepy movie he's done is definitely Flatliners. Yes! Oh my god, I totally forgot because I always think Kiefer Sutherland, but. Yep. Um, and Julia Roberts. Yeah. Bam! Yo, you got the VHS, VHS copy! <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy. <laughs> I love that movie. That was that was another like introduction to horror. You know, once I moved past like the children's phase, my dad showed me that movie and it blew my mind. Cool. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, one of my favorite Kevin Bacon sort of horror films is uh Tremors. Tremors. Yeah, I just saw that for the first time. Yeah. Did you really what'd you I think? Love it. I did. It's so it's, much fun. It's my friend uh, at work, one of the producers. It's his favorite movie. And so he had me over. We watched it on his projector and we did the hot ones challenge and like ate like 12 different hot sauces on different wings that got like spicier and spicier. Yeah. It's quite the experience. That's awesome. Oh my God. That reminds me of what your friend did to you with oh, chicken yeah. wings one time. Well, because my friend made a whole bunch of chicken wings and he gave me a bunch. And literally, there's supposed to be the one chicken wing that's hot. And instead of me going to the to the first chicken wing that's hot, I went all the way to the other side and just kept eating towards, <laughs> well, no. like, the order, and it was the very last one. He had gotten, like, a hot sauce kit set, and he put the most hottest one on one of the wings. Yeah, it was on the last and one. He was, he was posting... Like a mystery wing? Right. He didn't yeah. tell him, though, that he put anything on them, and it was... He was posting this all on his Instagram stories, and I'm at work... And I'm watching him go through each single chicken wing, and then he gets to the last one. I'm laughing my ass off. Because as I'm talking, I start feeling coughing and like my head's sweating. (laughs) You can see like you could see the process. Like after he eats it, starts chewing it, then he's like, (coughs) Yeah, I'm like, like, Oh no! Like let yeah, let me drink something. And even the drink I was drinking was not helping whatsoever. That was so funny, though. And it's so funny. He's actually just got back from vacation, and they were at an Airbnb, and he was the one that was telling me to watch Barbarian. And he was just like, yeah. he was like, I, uh, Krista was kind of like, his girlfriend was just like, I don't know about this because the Airbnb thing in uh, Barbarian. Yeah. And so that's why they were kind of skeptical about going into it. I mean, skeptical? It, I said skeptical. What did I say? Spectacle, I think. No, I said mm-hmm. skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was a spectacle of it too, but yes, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I thought that was uh, I thought that was really funny when he told me that. I was just like, wait a minute, barbarian has that Airbnb, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was just like, you know, you're pulling a barbarian, right? Going on this vacation. <laughs> and and he was yeah, it was pretty funny. I do want to go back to smile though, because there was something that I saw I when I was reading all of these notes about it, and I didn't write it down, but. One of the interesting things about the plot of this movie, I mean, it's almost written in a similar formula as like a psychological thriller. I mean, you've got this protagonist who, you know, for the most part is living this like calm, quiet reality that gets totally thrown off. And then she starts to experience things that seem real to her, but no one else is experiencing with her. So she feels like isolated. But when it's in a position with Rose as a psychiatrist and in Usually in typical, I feel like in typical psychological thrillers, when somebody feels like they're having a psychotic break, 
that's usually their go-to is like a close friend or a close relative or a doctor or a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And since Rose is the psychiatrist here, it's almost even shaking that reality a bit for, I feel like, as an audience member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, but... Yeah. Yeah, but no, but honestly, it's psycho- it's psychologically, this movie was definitely a mindfuck for sure. And I've seen a bunch of psychological movies in my life, and just this one was definitely no different, but it just made it more exciting. And I think I think what you don't normally get in a psychological thriller are those like big jump scares. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so this one, this one kind of ramped up the horror in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Jumped up the, rum- uh, the jump scares by like, you know, by ten times. Like, it was like on steroids. That's how <laughs> big it was the one that really got me was when she's leaning into the computer like halfway through the film and it just like comes out of nowhere my wife and i our butts both left the seat we just were up in the air during that oh my god that's so funny so now that we've gotten through the meat and potatoes of the smile movie how do we feel I guess overall, what's our general review on Smile? I, I thought I love it so much that I hate it because, <laughs> like, it scared the shit out of me after that movie. I love it that much because it scared me that much. I know it. I know it definitely rocked you. It did. It rocked after, me. I haven't had a movie did that to me in a long time. So that movie rocked me like no other. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I like I said, I went into this expecting a garbage horror movie with some jump scares, and was so elated when I left this movie. I was like high, uh, like uh, I was just like crazy high. Uh, like you know, I was floating on thin air. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I just like <laughs> it was so so happy leaving this movie because not only did it scare the crap out of me, mm-hmm. and it got me leaping out of my seats, which does not really happen often when you watch as many horror movies as I do. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like there was a really good plot, and that like we were really dealing with some some shit. You know, like we were yeah. dealing with real mental health stuff, mm-hmm. and I I just really love when a movie has more of a purpose behind it than just scaring you Mm -hmm. and i thought the acting was great like you said i thought the cinematography was really spot on and creative and it just had me guessing all the way to the end i know that some people were like oh it's not deep enough and like i'm sure you know ari oster could write a version of it that has like a million hidden meanings oh my god we don't need that for every movie you know you know this movie was exactly what it was supposed to be yeah, right. it should change it for anything else. You know, even if and you're like trying to copy someone else. No, it was perfect the way it was. Also, like Ari Aster is not even in my top five of like best directors for me. I mean, I have a freaking bone to pick with that dude. I I want you to interview him if we can. No. Get, I think that would be amazing because you could just call him out on a shit. Like no, because I was last week we had the guys from Mostly Horror podcast on. And when oh, yeah. I, and apparently, they're so cool. Midsummer is Steve's favorite horror film. Mine too. And I, I said like yeah. Midsummer was not my favorite movie. He's like, oh no, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> I, we don't we don't need another Ari Aster like psychological thriller, horror drama, whatever he puts out. The thing I look at with Midsummer, sorry to interrupt. The way I look at with Midsummer, it's kind of a mixture between The Wicker Man meets like toxic relationships. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, those bad romance to- toxic relationship movies. And that's yeah, yeah you kind of yeah. get those too, but I love the folk horror because I'm a huge folk horror guy. So literally watching it, 
it did definitely give me those like wicker man ancient pagan vibes well the great news is there's like a hundred different subgenres of horror so mm-hmm. there's room for everybody yeah and i think one of the things i truly love about the horror community is that at for the most part if you take aside like some of the gatekeepers who are like they're not real horror fans yeah. um <laughs> yeah. so if you take aside those people it's a really embracing community and and everybody understands that like oh you, you know sure that movie's not for me i like i said right. before we started recording i had never really been into slashers for most of my life and i'm mm-hmm. discovering it for the first time and sometimes people will be like well you're no real hurt fan if you haven't seen all the halloween movies oh, get like, out. Okay, yeah but you also suck so right. <laughs> go away yeah, um, go away the reality is we all that the beauty of it is there's so many different kinds of horror you could not like creepy dolls and still fit into the horror genre you could not like big scary outer space monsters and never watch those films and you'd still be a horror fan right yeah i always try to like keep in mind too like movies movies are a form of art and art is always going to be subjective and especially like movies that are based off of fiction or works of fiction are open to critique praises and criticism so not everybody's gonna like the same thing and you know when you put your opinions out on the internet you're gonna get people who don't always agree with you so yeah it's how i guess it's how we approach those disagreements is how i guess we kind of get through it because i had a video i posted on tiktok on our um on our podcast account and i said that for me personally i thought 30 days of night was a really really brilliant vampire movie and i don't Mm -hmm. usually like vampire films Mm -hmm. But somebody in the comments was like, well, have you ever read the interview with a vampire books? Like, those are like the best gothic vampire stories ever written. And I'm like, it's just not for me. Yeah. And it's like, I have seen the movie a few times, but it's still not something that I can really get into. And yet they could still hate you on that. And that's the bullshit part is that maybe you like one werewolf movie out of a million werewolf movies. And then other people will be like, hey, how about you try Wolfen or try uh, The Howling? You know, try those if you like this. And I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to. But the thing is, yeah. I do love werewolf movies. But no, it's like it's. But the example is that if you like American Werewolf in London, and that's the only movie you like, then that's fine, you know, because other ones yeah. may not be like to a par of what that movie is. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of werewolf movies I haven't seen, but the only one that I really deeply connected with was Ginger Snaps. Ah, yes, okay. I love Ginger Snaps. Yeah, so yeah, that, okay, that film's sounds brilliant, and I think the reason it works for me is the reason why, like, some of my other favorite films work for me is because it's not—it's not about the werewolf. It's all about becoming uh, like an adult and going through your body changing and all yeah. that stuff. And it's not super subtle either. Right. Like they pretty hit it in the nail on the head. But um, but yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still on the search for other werewolf movies that really do it for me. But I, you know, I, most of them I'm like a little bored. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and sometimes they'll be like that too because it's basically the same scenarios and plot lines that they do for each werewolf movie, especially with the the origin of the werewolf. Yeah, and that can be a problem mm-hmm. um, with any genre, with vampires, with you know all of it. And I always tell Colin too because I know like he has his tastes in horror films, and I have my own tastes. But there's a movie that you haven't seen yet because it doesn't seem like it's your kind of taste. It's like, well, at least 
watch it once so you can say you've seen it and you have an opinion to base off of it. And you see what you think of it, and, whether you like it or not. All right, you convinced me. I'm going to watch a Serbian film. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Wait, no. Which, which movie? A Serbian film. Oh, which one is that? It's not a good one. Oh, it's, not? Oh. It's, one of, it's one of these movies that is so like actively traumatic that it'll like kind of ruin your week, if not month, if not year. Or and your it's life. the movie that the people in the comments who are like the gatekeepers are like, you're a real horror fan if you... You know, they're they're the ones always suggesting watch a Serbian film. But okay, I, let's watch no, a Serbian no, film then. No, no. no. I won't even read the synopsis. <laughs> right. That's how bad I know it is. Yeah, yeah, like there's there's just two that I know that I would never absolutely touch, and it's Cannibal Holocaust and the Serbian film. I just mm-hmm. will not watch those two. Yeah. I mean, eventually, I'm I'm still making my way through I won't horror go, films, yeah. but I won't watch cannibal movies like that. No, especially no. ones like Zombie Two is an example that I will not watch. It puts <laughs> it through her eye. That part I will not watch ever. Oh, man. It's shit like that I won't watch. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. So smile was. Fun. So yeah. What about yeah? How about smile? <laughs> It makes Smiles me. Pretty it made me not want to smile after that ever again. Like I just had this stone face. Like I'm like I do not want to smile. <laughs> you end up like your friend Ryan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my god. I know. Big shout out to Ryan. Love you, buddy. But no, literally, that is hilarious. He'll Please listen to. Please don't ever smile again. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on. This has been so much fun. Yeah. yeah we enjoy thank having you. you. I'm so happy you're here, man. And luck. And honestly, if you ever want to, you can come back anytime you want, and like we could talk about whatever. You know, it would be great. Yeah, I love it. So, is there anything you want to let our listeners know that you've got planned? Anything coming up you want to announce? Like any big plans future stuff projects i don't know i mean i guess the big thing is that um i'm kind of viewing tiktok in a new way this year Hmm. it seems like things have changed on the platform and it's really i'm really leaning into the community aspect of it so while i am going to continue reviewing an enormous amount of horror movies every week i really want to spend a lot more time communicating with people and getting to know who the the active people are who are there because that big like vanity number like Mm -hmm. the follower number doesn't translate to who's actually there i I really feel like there's a good like maybe 100 people who come back every week every day and like comment and those are the people i really want to get to know and and form a relationship with because it's kind of lonely to just be searching after the numbers and trying to get big hits and, and viral videos and the first two years I spent on the platform was spent doing that, and it's uh, it's exhausting. It's much more fulfilling if I'm like reading all the com- well, I've always read all the comments, but reading and interacting with the comments and really getting to know people. So exactly. um, come find me on on TikTok. It's hunting season. It's like hunting season, but for ghosts. Yeah, nice. and uh, I actually have two recommendations for you to watch if you Best. don't mind. Let's see if I've seen them or not. Okay. okay. So they're both early 80s horror slashers. And they're both completely different, especially with like genre, plot lines, stuff like that. So the first one I'm going to recommend to you is Bloody Birthday. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's really fucking good. It's basically about these children who were born under an eclipse uh, together at the same time. And when they get older, like on like their 13th birthday or something like that, they go into this crazy deranged mode and kill people. On their birthdays. Okay. Yeah. So that's number one. Yep. And then number two, this is from where we're from. This was filmed in Rochester, a little bit in Rochester, and in the Thousand Islands. It's called Fear No Evil. 
It's, I don't know if you've seen that. Nope. Nope, okay, good. So basically that one is about a boy who is actually the Antichrist, and there are two archangels disguised as humans tries to go and find Lucifer and kill him. It sounds like bad omens. Yeah, so it's basically... Uh, maybe the, not as funny. <laughs> no, definitely not, but the acting somewhat is definitely a little bit funny. But it's got a great message behind it, especially like the religious aspect of it is really interesting, especially the abandonment of God and two archangels trying to find him and destroy Lucifer. Cool. Like, and then you guys got to watch The Cleansing Hour. Yeah. The Cleansing Hour. The okay. Cleansing Hour. Here. So, do you have a pen? So, I'll yeah. remember that right here. The Cleansing My, Hour. Do you have a recommendation from? I know there was a TikTok video you posted a while back before you started traveling, and I recommended... A couple of documentaries, I think, was um, the In Search of Darkness and the Queer yeah, for Fear yeah. docu series on Shutter. Those are good. So I started Queer for Fear. I watched the first two episodes um, on my last trip, and I still have the re- the other two downloaded. Nice. And I've seen. So my problem with the Search for Darkness is I haven't seen so many of the films, and I feel like they're giving away really big moments. So I yeah. stopped watching it. True. But I really enjoyed it, and it. I I feel like I was watching that and just listing like tens and twenties of films that i haven't seen that like i need to watch yeah. so so it was kind of like a like a, oh do i keep watching and like see all these moments or do i like just try and watch the first bunch and then come back to it? yeah but that's what's yeah. great about it too because it gives you recommendations like it gives yeah. you stuff yeah. that you want that you've never watched but it looks interesting yeah and some obscure stuff too yeah right. i like that yeah, like for me, when I was watching the Queer for Fear docuseries, there's a Alfred Hitchcock movie called Rebecca that they highlight quite a bit, and now I'm like, there's I gotta watch it. Yeah. But there's another Alfred Hitchcock movie I often recommend for people. It's not quite horror, but it's like horror adjacent. It's called Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's such a good movie. And, and uh, the one movie I want to watch from Queer for Fear that I saw was... Uh, what is it? It was like the Heavenly Creatures or something oh, like yeah, that? Oh yeah, Heavenly Creatures with Kate Winslet, I think. Mm-hmm. Kate Winslet, and I forgot who the other woman was, but I she's been remember. in tons of stuff. But yeah. like it's just that was that was an interesting film itself. And that's what kinda like this is. It's very psychedelic. Cool. Yeah. Well, lots of recommendations. Thank you for coming on our podcast. It was really fun talking to you. Yep. Yeah, likewise. This was a blast, and it yeah. was a great opportunity to revisit uh, one of my favorite films from last year. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, like I said before, come by any, come back anytime, and you know, and there'll be we're not strangers for sure now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. this is cool. Right on. But other than that, you have a good one, and you get home safe. All right, thanks, and you guys have a great night. All right, thank, thank you. you. Too. All right, bye, man. Oh man, what an episode that was. That was fun. I really was. I really like him too. He's he's super cool. Yeah. He seemed chill too. Yeah. Like it just feels like he's that type of guy that just doesn't really much seems bother him. Yeah, and it's really fun to talk to him. You know, outside of social media and everything, because you know sometimes when you have people that you follow or are friends with on social media, but if you never meet to face to face, it I don't want to say it doesn't feel genuine, but it doesn't feel as personal, you know, I, as what I we just, yeah. We, I wish I could meet him in person. Like if I could yeah. hang out with that guy on a daily basis, and also the other people we've hung we've talked to on here too, I would love that. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, though, we don't. I don't think we have anything specially planned for the following weeks. But yeah. well, if. If anyone wants to be interviewed in the future, I mean, hit us up. Like, you know. Or like, if you have any recommendations of people you would like to listen to yeah, on the podcast. Same. Hit us up. 
Because I know there are a couple people we've been trying to get in touch with, but they're not really as responsive as some of our others. But, but that's okay. That's so, Yeah, it's fine. Everybody's busy. and Everyone's we, got their choices, and they're busy and stuff like that, so we understand. Yeah, so suggestions are always fun, but this was a great episode this week, and next week is going to be a little bit more relaxed. I won't be here because I will be in Florida for a week for my brother's wedding because I'm his best man. Yeah. So that'll be fun for a guy up north going all the way down to Florida and dealing with that weather. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. I will probably have a guest host planned, but until I can figure out the details more about it, yeah. You just have to wait and see. Yeah, we just have to wait and see for now. But this week was really fun, and the past couple weeks before have been really great, too. So, like I said, I really enjoy having guests on here. It's really fun to talk to Ben and Sean and Steve and Josh. And, you know, it just be... I look forward to doing more of these in the future. So, we definitely were happy about the last couple weeks that we had here. Yes. So, we want to thank all uh, all the people that we interviewed. Yeah, and and go follow them on their social medias, too. Yeah, they're really... They really are worth it. So, literally, Mm -hmm. I would definitely go ahead, get off this podcast, go over there, listen to them, follow Fright Rags on Instagram or whatever social media they have, and just... Yeah, follow uh, follow all the other ones. Mostly horror podcast and haunting season. Mm-hmm. Go follow them on social media. Go check out their podcasts and their shows. Like again, it's just really, really mind blowing to have them on the show with us. Exactly, and to, talk, and to talk horror. I know, and you know, you enjoy that stuff, and you enjoy listening to them. So for you to actually like talk to them is kind of more surreal than it really what it is. Yeah, it definitely like changes things. It puts things in perspective. It changes your life. But anyway, this has been a fun episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. (laughs) I was about to say Codcast. It's so weird. Oh my god, I'm so tired and full, so. Okay. Yes, but other than that, we will finish up on this episode. Mm -hmm. You have anything to say, or are you good to go? I'm good to go. All right, and I'm going going nowhere nowhere fast. fast. I hate you. Oh, my God. You know what? Okay, I think we're done with this interview. All right, well, anyways, this has been the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm Colin Bourne. And I'm Patrick Stump. Signing off saying I'm good to go. (laughs) As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.